Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, Austin. We are doing better in our picks. So round one, we were, what, three for eight? Three for three for nine? No, sorry. Three for like, yeah, three for eight, three for nine? Uh, three for eight. I, I feel like it was probably worse. What, were we like a collective three for eight? No, no, like no. Like, you, Kelvin, and Anthony? You and I were two for eight. Anthony was two for eight. Kelvin was three for eight. The play-in round. And then the first round, I was four for eight. You were four for eight. Kelvin was six for eight. He only got Calgary and St. Louis wrong. Anthony was four for eight. I'd like to say we got passing grades. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure about how we're going to do now. Like, I don't, are we going to keep up that upward trend? Are we going to keep improving it going into round two? Well, let's be honest here. Either I'm going to look like a fucking idiot or I'm going to look like a genius because you three decided, let's all have the same picks. So Jeffrey, Kelvin, and Anton have all agreed that it's the Lightning, Islanders, Vegas, and Abs, generally in, in between five to seven games, which, you know, it's kind of expected. <laughs> five to seven games. Kelvin does not know how to read instructions for, for the second round in the row. He has not included any games. And um, your boy here has the Lightning, Flyers, Canucks, and Abs. Um, so before I start that, I just want to point out that I know I did post it after the Abs game started, but all the answers were received before the game started. I was just lazy, and I just needed like a few extra minutes. To be like, oh shit, I gotta put this all together. <laughs> Wait, who 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 won that Abs Stars game last night? Abs won. This is I'm sorry, Stars won. Stars won. Stars won. Oh, so not a great okay, start no. for us. Let's be honest here. Well, I'd like to just say that me, Anton, and Calvin, I would just like to say like great minds think alike. So uh, I just would like to say that you might be uh, off on your own little island there. But also, I just I think- want to point out, Mister Great Minds Think Alike, think alike, not doing so hot this season. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, I, I've joined, I've joined Calvin, who uh, does not follow instructions, and went well. We had the same pick, so I'm assuming we're going to do fine. But I, I think we need to put a temporary ban on Kelvin on this uh, podcast because he can't follow instructions. So I think he needs a temporary ban from showing up. Just, you know, until he understands how to read instructions. And once he's able to do that, then we can let him back on the podcast. But, like, kind of at the same time, what are we going to do? Tell him you can't come on the podcast. He doesn't follow instructions. He's going to be like, I will be there then. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll figure somewhere out, something out. But like, I I think uh, he deserves a temporary ban for now. Maybe we maybe we'll just do one episode with just Anson, or we'll replace him with someone else. Who knows? Ooh, ah! <laughs> but before we get started and talking about our round two predictions here, let's start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. So let me know why the three of you have identical picks. Well, I mean, like, we we varied a little bit in terms of the number of games. Uh, I don't know about Kelvin, but there's at least some variation between me and Anson. But uh, I think with the Lightning, you know, Lightning uh, Bruin series. Uh, I don't know if we ever got a chance to talk about Halak. I mean, Halak and Rask, sorry. But uh, I think, like, Halak is still a very good goalie, but I think Tampa has just looked a lot better. They're, like, they're, they look like they're out on a vengeance. And 
Boston, like, I know they beat the Canes, which we all thought, you know, we're going to beat the Bruins because they look like crap during the playing round. But, um, I, I, like, just looking at them right now, I think the Lightning are the better team over the Bruins, for sure. And, I, like, I, I haven't been following too closely, but has it passed the bin out for, like, forever? No, pass was back. Is it, but, like, I feel like he's been, like, here, here a game, out a game, here a game, out a game. So, like, I, I feel like there's just some more consistency in that Tampa Bay's group, and they've just been performing a lot better. So, I, I've got to hand it to Tampa Bay, I think. You know what? This is one of the ones that I did ha- have it. I think all four of us had this one. Uh, I can, yeah, like, for me, it's tight, but at the same time, my issue is with the Bruins. Um, my issue is kind of actually with the Lightning. The Lightning is one of those teams where I kind of really get the individual vibe where it's like, hey, either we're going to absolutely crush this or we're just going to get absolutely crushed ourselves. There's really no in-between. And for me, that's a concern. <sighs> you know, I mean, it's like I, if they do well, then yeah, I'm definitely not going to be concerned. But I always get this vibe where they kind of just choke themselves, which concerning for me, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so that's why I had it in seven games. I'll be honest with you, if it's Rask, I may have done Bruins in seven. But because there's no Rask, that's why I'm a bit more like, uh, you know what, I might not be 100% sure in this one. So for me, I'm, I got the Lightning in seven. Second one, I think we kind of had a bit more difference. You representing three of you had the Islanders. I had the Flyers. Why you got the Islanders? You know, with the Islanders right now, I think we have to stop kidding ourselves and, you know, thinking that they're... Are the Islanders a Stanley Cup contender? Um... I think within this current, um, like within this current scenario, like with how the playoffs are currently structured, I think the Islanders just seem to be, you know, like the, the Islanders just seem to be prepared for what's going on, and they just seem to succeed, right? Like, have they like they've lost what one game so far since the start of um the play-in and the like they've only lost the Caps once, right? And they swept. No, no, they lost to the Panthers once too, sorry. But, like, this is a team that, you know, we're all like, oh, they're probably just going to not let a lot of goals, but also not score a lot of goals. But here we can see them that they're they're scoring more than enough and they're defending well. And this is a very good team. So I think it's time to stop making fun of the Islanders and, you know, give them props. So that's why I think we have the Islanders. And, I mean, the Flyers were a good team. They're a hot team, but, you know, Seeing how like seeing how far the Habs were able to take them, you know, it, it's a little bit you know concerning to me. Like Carter Hart is playing out of his mind. I just think every goalie is playing out of their mind. But I think when you're going to go up against a team that defends so well, like the Islanders, I'm not sure if Carter Hart, Hart is going to be able to make that one extra save compared to what the Islanders are going to be able to do. I don't know. So for me, I'm uh. Oh, okay. I got news to break after this immediately. Um, I don't know. I just see Islanders of all teams that just like it's a bubble team or anything. I'm totally underestimated. But at the same time, Flyers are hot. And, you know, I originally didn't have the Flyers at the Flyers losing earlier just because I didn't think the Flyers would come back hot. And they've done that completely. So I'm very impressed by that for me. So it's just like a little bit of doubt and a little bit of the eye test where you're saying, you know what? The Flyers are playing really good. The Islanders seem like. They're there, but like I don't know why they're there. Um, so for me, I actually have the Flyers in five. Um, but before we move on to the next series, I'm you know 
it's peak Olsen to never actually just be looking at the monitor when recording a podcast. It's very awesome to be doing something else while he's recording the podcast. And today, something else is opening Twitter. And it seems like, from Elliot Friedman, Washington is making a coaching change. Todd Reardon is out. And this was three minutes ago from Elliot Friedman. So, we're going to go back to... We're going to go back to the playoffs after, but Jeffrey, first reaction. Um, I, I would say that it was kind of in the making. Like, I know, like they, like, I know they were trying to like groom and get him ready for the NHL. He was with the Hershey Bears for quite a while and they like knew he was going to be the next coach of the Capitals, but he never seemed to, you know bring them back up to where they were at after they won the Stanley Cup, right? And, I mean, like, I don't know if you can really consider this series to be his fault. I think, like, losing to Anders, a lot of it has to do with Holtby. A lot of it has to do with that with Carlson, you know, skating on one leg, basically. So, I think you, have to, you can't say that this entire series was his fault. But, I mean, two years of underperformance from the Caps, and I think with the... Like, you know, with an organization that's so used to, you know, success that seeing them, like, not, like, get past basically the second round each year, it's kind of a little bit concerning. So, I mean, like, it's kind of sucks. It's hard to live up for Todd, like, live up to um, Barry Trott who won the Stanley Cup right right before he left and then basically getting, almost basically getting swept here. Like, I think that just kind of, gave a sense to the Capitals organization that they needed like a new voice in their locker room. And I mean, you look at this team, I don't know if they can really, you know, fix this team. Like they're going to be a contending team, but I think they realize they're, they're going to need like a new coach to really push them through to make them back into contenders again. So hearing what you're trying to say, I kind of get the vibe that you're trying to say that if I'm getting this correctly, that this was kind of a kind of a poison pill job in the sense that he left right after winning the cup. So the expectations are unrealistically high if I if I get this correctly. And you're trying to say that unless he won the cup again, there was really no way he could have topped it. And you know what? He made the playoffs. But when your last coach wins the cup, there's not really much you can do. Is that is that the right vibe that I'm getting from you, Jeffrey? Pretty much, right? Like, it's really hard. And, like, I mean, they've lost in the first round the last two years. So, I mean, maybe he would have had a little longer leash than two years after, like, say, um, try to think. Like, it's almost like Bruce Bujo, right? You know, they finished first in the Metropolitan for, like, the last five years. But, like, I th- if you remember, like, Bruce Bujo, right? They would have great regular seasons, but they could never make that, you know, ultimate jump in the playoffs, right? So, I think definitely losing in the first round of last year is for sure is probably the big thing. Like if he maybe made it to the second round one year, maybe into the conference finals, maybe he might still be here for an extra year. But, you know, two straight uh, losses in the first round and especially against the Islanders in that convincing manner, like I think Capitals felt like they needed to make a change. So, I mean... Kind of a victim of their own success. Yeah, but like I mean, it, it, like I think Todd Reardon, 
I don't know if you have have an NHL head coach job, but I think he's still a good enough coach that he'll still stick around. I just think it'll be interesting to see who to hire in Washington, right? Like I feel like it's gonna be a veteran coach again, like someone of the ilk of like a uh, Bruce uh Barry Trotz, I mean. You mean Bruce Boudreaux? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they're gonna bring back Bruce Bruce Boudreaux, but you know, I think like they're gonna try find like a more veteran coach. This is a veteran group. I think the experiment of trying like a young coach within their organization didn't really work out. So mm-hmm. it's probably gonna be like I don't know, there's not a lot of like I don't know. Like, at, we'll see what coach does go to Washington. I think that's going to be more interesting than to, than to see where Todd Reardon goes in this in the future. I mean, yeah, I brought up Bruce Virgil, but, you know, he's been tied in the Toronto job. And it seems like Toronto, according to the Athletic, I believe that's where I read it, um, is willing to, you know, make whoever they hire. They want a veteran NHL head coach to be assistant coach. And they're willing to shell out the big bucks. I mean, big bucks. Like, the highest paid assistant coach in the league. Not a bad gig in Toronto. I know the media pressure is kind of a pain in the ass, but like at the same time, not a bad. You, there are definitely worse gigs out there. Yeah, and like I think Bruce Boudreaux, being from Toronto too. Like I mean, it, it's nice to be able to like work in a place where you're still like close to home. I mean, like still to travel, but like you know, it would be nice. And I, I think Bruce Boudreaux could would be a, just a nice calming voice on the bench. Given like such a such a young staff, I think it'd be nice to have more senior member. But you know, we don't want to keep going off topic here. But I think let's go back to the predictions, right? Like we left off with the Islanders and the Flyers, where you know we had a little bit different differing opinion. But um, let's go back to something that we both agreed on. The Avs looked really hold up, hold up, hold up. We uh, first off, yes, thanks for the instant analysis. Jeffrey, clearly we didn't prepare for this, just like most of our stuff. But you missed a series in between that. You missed the Golden Knights and the Canucks, Jeffrey. This is where... Um, well, you don't have to go in order. I was, you know, did you not like the transition of us going back from different opinions back to similar opinions? And then we can go back to differing opinions? Well, I mean, at the same time, like, first off, yes. Shout out on the on the transition. Well done, Jeffrey. But, you know, for our listeners who do follow us on Twitter, which is at BOP underscore POD. We have a little table there keeping track of how we're doing. And uh, on that table, we have the four playoff series. And I'm just kind of going through that list and how we measure that, you know, kind of keep it consistent for, again, for our wonderful Twitter followers, they can have a check and see what we're up to. So um, I am going to pull the executive decision because I am the star of the show, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, we're going to go connect Golden Knights. You guys had Golden Knights in six. I assume all three of you, at least two of you did. And I had Canucks in five. So, Jeffrey, do you want me to explain why I got my Canucks in five first? Or do you want to go talk about Vegas in six first? Well, yeah. Why don't you go pull your executive power decision that you apparently have and go talk about why you think the Canucks are going to win? Okay. So, uh, first things first, we will talk about Alan Walsh, Marc-Andre Fleury. So, again, I kind of may have totally butchered this because it would have been a great transition from the series to talking about Marc-Andre Fleury. But we're not going to do that. So, um, Canucks in five, I don't know. I think partly I'm a little salty because, you know, King's dynasty kind of ended at the hands of the Golden Knights. Not a fan of that. But I think the main thing is that at the end of the day, I think you have one of the best goalies right now, hottest goalies right now in that for Canucks. Yeah, one of the hottest lines in Vancouver. You've got a completely motivated team, which is always a plus. Um, 
And at the same time, you're looking at Golden Knights, it seems like chemistry-wise is a little bit of dysfunction there. Um, I just... I know the analytics support the Golden Knights, but the eye test doesn't for me. And I'm going to kind of go old school and be like, you know, back in my day, we just didn't have these fancy numbers, all right? I was an NHL player, and I couldn't read a single number. I was illiterate. And I'm going to go with the eye test here. I'm going to go with the eye test here. And <laughs> I don't know. Something about Canucks. I think it, this isn't a case of the Lightning where it's like the Lightning are going to either win or lose a series. I, in this case, I kind of see it's the Canucks who are going to want to lose a series. And for me, I think I like Canucks. Five might be a bit ambitious. Maybe six might have been better. But I don't know. What do you think, Jeffrey? Um, I think maybe just because they beat the reigning Stanley Cup champions, I don't. I think maybe we're giving them a little bit too much credit. And, I mean, Markstrom's been good, but he hasn't been like a Carter Hart amazing or a Semyon Varlamov amazing just yet like like it, this has been the year of the goalies like I was thinking like oh with the play-in round we might actually see one see like players put up like outrageous playoff point totals but the goalies seem to have other ideas this year but like as good as Vancouver is like you look at Vegas I know they got to you know who did, who did they play I remember oh, they played they played the Blackhawks right like Everyone's going to look good against the Blackhawks, but, you know, Vegas has looked consistently well during this entire, like, start of the hockey, the resumation of hockey. And, like, this is a team that's very, very, you know, deep, I find, right? Like, like they've got, like, everyone's got a set role on this team. Their top two lines are going to keep trying to score you. Their bottom two lines are all going to be tough to play against, hard nose, and their defensive defense by committee just keeps working. It's kind of like the Pittsburgh Penguins of, you know, we don't have, need to have a star, but we'll just keep, you know, having everyone work together and, you know, keep producing it. I have to say, in net, like, yes, maybe Leonard and Fleury aren't putting up amazing numbers, but they're putting up numbers that are going to help the Golden Knights win. I would disagree that any the Blackhawks make look any team look good. The Edmonton Oilers would also disagree with that. Well, I mean, well, the Golden Knights, you know, like, they single, they handedly defeated the Blackhawks. Um, and, like, you know, we well, we both said, right, we both thought the Knights were going to destroy the Blackhawks in five, and we were both right. So, I think it's just, you know, fairly, uh, you know, it's just fairly normal to see. I think the Golden Knights are going to keep pushing. Like, I think the Canucks, they're on a heater. You know, it doesn't seem like anyone can stop Bo Horvath at, at the moment. But, you know, I, I like, you're going to look at this team. Like, Bo Horvath's going to have to go up against what line? Like, probably either the, like, the Pacioretic, like, the Stone line? I don't know. Are they, is he going to go up against that uh, Riley Smith-Jonathan Marshall line? Like, it's going to be interesting to see where Bo Horvath's going to face off. And I feel like we talked about this before, too. Like, way back before the NHL started, we were talking about, like, wasn't like Vancouver versus Vegas at one point as like a potential matchup that we wanted to see? I think it was. Um, so, you know, it's always a plus. Um, but at the same time, I think for me, it's just like, I don't know. I I, I know the Canucks aren't as deep as the Golden Knights. And especially in playoffs, you kind of do need that depth, which I think is really beneficial for one of the teams we're going to discuss about next. Um, but at the same time, I'm willing to kind of put a put a bit of a premium to 
how Markstrom is playing. And maybe, again, maybe because this is me being like, I care, like, heart matters for me um, a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, just seeing at how inspired the Canucks are. And again, I think this is also me just being a little extra. I do put a little bit of a premium on chemistry, especially in the playoffs. And I don't know, I just get the vibe that the Canucks have pretty good chemistry. Just by looking at, you know, how they work as a team. And then when I see the Golden Knights, I see a little bit of dysfunction there, especially with the Mark on your Fleury stuff. Um, but at the same time, like, I understand skill is always more important than chemistry. So I don't know. I'm a little on the fence in this one. I just, I don't know why I did five. I probably should have done seven. But I, I think this is where we differ a little bit. But where we do have the same same scenarios for everything. Avs and Stars. Did you watch the Avs games last night, Jeffrey? I believe you were at work, were you? Nope, I did not watch the game. That's why I had to ask who won yesterday. It was a very good game. You know, a lot of speed, a lot of skill, a lot of storyline. And we all had Avs and Six, but why not start with why I had Avs and Six? So, you know, as I previously mentioned, the depth really does matter. And the offensive depth for the Avs, for me, is probably what takes them over the edge. Uh, I know the Stars have some great goaltending, and I know... Some opinions may have changed just after Grubauer left in the injury of the first period. Um, so you're going to be running with Frank Hughes. But at the same time, I still stick with my pick of Adam Six. I just think that they have enough depth as a team to kind of carry this. Um, I know defensively, the Avs aren't the greatest. But I think they have a lot of very reliable two-way forwards, such as Kadri, who are able to really play maybe with a more of a bit more of a defensive mindset to kind of compensate for the lack of defensive depth a and with the injury of Grubauer to their team. I think I think they have a they have enough two-way players where it's kind of like you kind of step back and we're like okay, we can protect ourselves and may not go flying as fast as much and rely on defense. So I th- I think the Avs can be able to compensate for that one. So Jeffrey, you've also you got Avs in 5. Why do you got that? Well, I mean, yeah, clearly you thought that I thought of like, 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 you know, you said that we all had abs and six. Well, unfortunately you are wrong, but, uh, like, I, I just think the abs looked like, again, like it's hard to tell, like when you see a team beat up on a, another team, like the coyotes, it's kind of hard to like judge like where they're at. Right. Like there were what, like a couple of seven, one games. Right. So it's not like. There were like close matchups, and you know, like the the Coyotes did win one game, but like this was like a demolishing in that series. So that's why I'm like kind of you know hesitant to think that the Avs are gonna you know lose against the Stars. And you know, the Stars were are they're a good team. They're gonna kind of you know take you down slowly and grit and grind you. And I think in the regular season too, right? The Stars were four and zero against the Avs. But then when they met once in the play-in series, right, the Avs destroyed them. So it's like, do you take in present future or do you take in the past, right? Like, so I'm going with what I saw in the play-in round and seeing the Avs destroy the Stars, and that's why I had them in five. And to be honest, like, in this entire, like, we've seen, what, one, like, quote-unquote sweep and one, quote-unquote, goal series going to the signing game right like we haven't seen many like one like really like 
like one team demolishing the other team with the sweep or we haven't seen like a very close series that goes all the way right so like i'm surprised like today we're like we're recording right now and like i was thinking oh we might have to record after the game sevens but there has been no game seven so it's just been like the series are just going through the nhl didn't want a day off so they you know started the second round like right right away it's like i've just been like refraining from going to extremes and thinking that there's going to be a sweep or there's going to be a game seven i feel like every series is just game five game six right now you know i think we did factor in that um when we made our predictions i know again kelvin what the fuck follow the instructions <laughs> so for our listeners before i go i'm gonna attend here so for our listeners how we really do this is um i just set up a google form um like a day or two before the series starts and then go just fill it out and uh you know, the first time I just wrote, hey, number of games in a team. Straightforward. Kelvin didn't fill it out. If you look at our, again, Twitter, BOP underscore POD, um, didn't fill out the game. I was like, all right, fine, makes a mistake. And then for this round, I wrote, fill in the numbers, and I wrote, fucking fill it in, Kelvin. All in caps. Does not fill it out. Uh, so we don't know what Kelvin thinks about game seven. But if you look at uh, the rest of us, so me, Jeffrey, and uh, Anson, we have two seven-game series between the three of us. Uh, so it's me and Anton, both that say lightning and seven. The rest of us were like, it's five or six games. I think we did factor that in mind. Um, do, do you think there's any particular reason why they're not getting these long series or these super short series are always five and six? Do you have any theories, Jeffrey? Uh, no, but I think it's just, you know, probability, right? Like the chances of the extremes are always more rare. It just seems like in the past we've seen more game sevens or um, like, like I think sweeps are always still going to be the most rare. And especially as you can progress further into the playoffs when teams are more closely matched because they're better teams, you're not going to see sweeps as much. But it just seems to me that it's very interesting that, right, like the one, there's only been one series, right, like the Toronto Columbus game that went all the way. But all the other series are just, you know, they, they've just been ending quickly. It's kind of been like you see, like, either a team dominates another team, but the losing team, you know, steals one game. Or it's a hard-fought series, but it ends up, you know, ending in six games type of thing. So you, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like Monopoly, right? Like, you're more likely to roll, like, six, seven, eight, but you're not going to get, you know, roll a two or a 12 as often. I'm sorry, what? What kind of Monopoly dice are you rolling where you get a 7? It, it's a probability thing, right? Like, 7 is the most, like, between 2 dice. Oh, you're playing with 2 dice. Die. Okay, okay, okay. You're playing 2 dice. I thought playing with 1 yeah. die, and you're like, I can get an 8 with my 1 die, and I'm just sitting here like, what? <laughs> yeah, someone does not get the reference. but um. I'm sorry, you play Monopoly with 2 dice? Isn't that how you play? No, you play with 1 dice, because you lost the other one. <laughs> no. You play with two, right? Isn't it like if you get a double, you get another, you get another turn. Yeah. Again, you start with two dice, and then when you inevitably lose one, then you have a backup. Well, then you can just roll the die twice. You can roll the die twice. I, I guess. Okay, I'm getting confused here because I don't. What's is die or dice the plural of? Dice other? is plural. Die is singular. Okay, so sorry. Two dice. My yes, bad. Yes, yes. If you have two dice. And um, then you have two dieses. <laughs> two dieses. <laughs> I that's gonna be the title of this uh, podcast. Two dieses. Okay. We don't know the um, I think that's a great title. Like, yeah. 
uh, I don't know. I, I'm running out of ideas for titles at some point, so they might get more. Bo- they've been boring titles for the last couple of times, so I apologize for that. But uh, I think we figured out what we want for this week. But um, speaking about like running up the score, one thing I wanted to bring up was um, I've I, the days have been a blur for me between work and just like everything. But like, did we like was the Fernando Tatis thing like in baseball where he hit a grand slam even though the the Padres were up by like seven or something, or was it? I don't remember how much they were up, but, but like, was that a thing that happened before our last podcast, or was that after? It happened during the week this week, I believe. We haven't talked about it, so we definitely can talk about it if you want to bring it up, Jeffrey. Okay, well, I like I know like there's a whole thing about unwritten rules, and like there's so many unwritten rules to talk about, but I just like to take your perspective, like. In baseball, it's very you don't face a team one time. Like even though it's still the regular season, you'll like face them for like a two, three, maybe a four game set. So to me, it does make little sense that you can, um, you know, even if you're winning by a lot, you're still gonna be facing that same team the next day. So maybe it's it's not as bad to you know keep playing hard because you know you could keep maybe demoralize them enough that they're gonna play poorly the next game still, or especially in baseball, right? Like there's, it's an indefinite, there's an indefinite time limit, not time limit, but there's like, you you have a defined number of outs, but that's not a defined amount of time. So in theory, you can be up by seven and still uh, lose, right? Like that's kind of what happened to the Jays the other day. Like, even though it, it was kind of in the first inning, but they did come back from seven runs down, right? So Tatis, you know, even though they were up by quite a bit and it was getting late in the game, you know, the Rangers could have came back, and so it kind of to me it makes sense that the pot like Tatis you know went for the three uh, zero and did swing and swing and hit a grand slam. So I'm okay with that, but like I'm trying to bring this back to hockey, right? Like five zero, uh, Montreal versus Philadelphia, right? And then I remember Alain Vigneault was complaining about Montreal putting out their top power play unit, even though it was five zero. Um, my first concern is. Do we even really know what Montreal's first power play unit is, or is it just all the same? And um, in the end, Philadelphia did come back and win. But like you also look at the Avs, right? They are up like big against the Coyotes a couple of times. Do you think it's okay in the NHL to not necessarily run up the score, but like if it's a blowout to keep trying to score more goals in a playoff series? Um, so the first thing I talk about is the unwritten rules. I get it. You kind of want to. It helps, like you want to be like, oh, you know, I don't want to have to write these rules down. That's why I have unwritten rules. But at the same time, I really do get the view. I'm just going to jump in here with something after, but um, I get the view of, yeah, you want to have unwritten rules, but it's, I find it really stupid and it kind of like gatekeeps in a way. Um, so, because the perspective I kind of get is like when you do something like that, it's just like you can't, it ruins the new fan experience where the new fans like, look, I just want to, you know, flip the channels and, you know what this it, baseball thing looks interesting let me just you know watch it for a little bit and then you have these unwritten rules where it's like ha, 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 unless you are watching this for many many years you will never understand this and you will understand this and it kind of just ruins the experience of the new fan and like i'm not a fan of these unwritten rules um in case t- of tatis it's just like at the end of the day i guess this works for hockey too like i've been a fan of run up the score man um i think it's great for new fans, um, which I think the NHL is always going to be a fan of new fans. Um, 
at the end, because like, let's be honest here, Jeffrey, the most interesting and exciting part of hockey is goals. Simple as that, right? Goals is the most interesting part of hockey for a casual fan. For someone who's, you know, a veteran fan who may understand defensive schemes, you know, things like that, they may appreciate, you know, a good forecheck or something, a good back check, whatever. But if you're a casual fan, you're, you don't really give a shit about the expected goals and the coursey of, you know, Tyson Berry. You really don't give a shit about that. You care about, holy shit, Austin Matthews scored another amazing goal. And, you know, when you're playing it easy, I get not trying to put your stars out there and trying to get hurt. I get that point of view, but at the same time, it's you're ruining the experience for a lot of new fans. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of these unwritten rules. I, there's somewhere I guess you can kind of be like, okay, like don't run the goalie. <laughs> like, I, I can live with that. But when it comes to like, hey, we're winning six one in, in the third period. I mean, I think you should still play your guys. You shouldn't just be like, hey, backup goalie, do you want to do you want to skate on the ice and just be like, get on there, bud, right? Like for me, I, I've never been a fan of that. Um, Jeffrey, what do you think? And after you got that, I got some more news for you. Yeah, like I agree with you. Like, like if you're winning by big, like you're still trying, but you're not necessarily gonna, you know, try to, you know, like put some extra flair, right? Like you're not celebrating like crazy by the sixth or seventh goal, right? Like you're, and I, I also think like for sure, like especially in a series, right, where you're still gonna be facing them the next game and the game after that, it makes sense to you know do whatever you can to affect the future games from if you're already in a winning position, right? How to keep incur like making your team play well so that in the next game you'll you guys will play well again type of thing. But like I'm not saying that you go out and start injuring all their players or something like that. And as a losing team too, like you know you're gonna face them the next game, so you still want to keep trying. But um, like I agree with you, yeah. You might not, you might, you know, play your depth players a little bit more, give them a little bit more ice time. Maybe you're not sending in a two-man forecheck every shift. Maybe you're going to be a little bit more relaxed on the forecheck. And it's not going to be a dump and chase as much. It's going to be a dump and change a lot more often. Like, you're not going to you're gonna have short shifts and type of thing. So I think with hockey, like, to me, I think the the cutoff point is always whenever the team, other team, like the losing team, looks like they're ready to give up or like they're, they've given up already, that's when I think the winning team is allowed to start, you know, pulling back a lot more right like if the other team is starting to you know rest their star players or like like baseball right like the, if you put like a position player to start pitching because you don't have enough um arms in your pen like that at that point i think as the batter like as a winning team in the mlb at the same time you also got your pride you don't want to strike out against a position player pitching to you but at the same time you're maybe not trying as hard because you know your team has given up and it's it'll be like it'll be poor on you to keep scoring runs on them. At that point, it just kind of gets disrespectful, right? Like I get it. Like that's the whole point of these unwritten rules, right? You don't want to be disrespectful, but at the same time, yes, it's one thing to be disrespectful, but it's another thing where it's like, are they going to account for this during your contract talks? No, they're not. Right at the end of the day, they're not. Like once that contract comes you are paid for your stats. And if you're playing it easy, then you aren't going to get paid as much. So unless you're willing to be like, yeah, I'm willing to take a pay cut for it, then don't do it. Like at the end of the day, there's no other way to look at it, right? Like <laughs> I, I can't say, there's no other way I can stress this. Like during your contract talks, no one's going to be like, well, but like we did win a lot of games. Like 
15 nothing. So that's why we're, we're okay with that. No, that's that's not right. Like we you and I both know that's just a load of baloney. Um I too proud of you for not swearing there, Jeffrey. <laughs> but I'm sure you've sworn somewhere in this podcast already. We just had to find that point. Yeah, that's probably not that hard to find. Um but before we continue, Jeffrey, I have more news for you from the Capitals Twitter account. Not only has head coach Todd Reardon been relieved of duties, but senior vice president and general manager Brian McClellan has also been let go. Now, I think that's a little bit bigger news than just the Todd Reardon thing. That's uh, quite substantial, I think. That yeah, that, I think you that, know, that's. Give a me a second to react to that. Give me a second to react to that. Um, All right. So while Jeffrey has a second to react about that, um, I will give my unfiltered and unplanned for analysis on there, which are probably incorrect. Um, I don't know. For me, it just feels like I think the. I, I get it. Where it's just like, hey, you kind of want to you didn't meet an expectation, let them go, and I think this is probably. Brian McClellan's being let go is not necessarily because just because of Brian McClellan's um, team not doing that well. I think it's also an opportunity for the new general manager kind of been a little bit of a reset. You know, with Braden Holpe's contract coming in to a close, um, it's just an opportunity to be like, hey, you know what, new GM here, you kind of get a bit more of a like a blank slate. You know, for example, if it was next year and Braden Holpe signed an eight-year deal that kind of limits your flexibility there, right? But with Brain Hobie's contract coming to an end and with the goalie, you know, position being such an important position in the NHL, I do think that probably had to do with it where it's just like, you know what, we do have a bit more flexibility there. Um, I mean, like if you look at their UFAs and RFAs this year, pretty there's not much you can do, right? Like besides Brain Hopi, you've got Radko Gudis, Brennan Dillon. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk, Travis Boyd, like those are the main free agents. And then if you look at their depth chart, there's a bit more there. But like you know what, at the end of the day, it's their depth chart. Um, they do have some space, like they have ten million, so they they they're not in a cap crunch. Um, so for me, I think it's just like hey, it's more of a blank slate more than anything. But I think Jeffrey's had a moment to actually think about it. And what do you got for me, Jeffrey? Um, I think it's an ill-advised move from. The capital standpoint, I think Brian McClellan, like I get, you know, the whole blank slate type of thing, and like basically they're gonna come back with basically the same team almost next year. And I mean, I'm, I'm not big right now on, like, them finding Brian McClellan. Like he's been a great GM for them, been with the team for over a decade, and like maybe they need some fresh, like a fresh voice there, but. To be honest, like, has he done anything wrong? Like, I just think it's the, I think it's more Todd Reardon's fault. Uh, like he's like Brian McClellan has given the Todd Reardon uh, NHL roster that's going to compete. That's you know, been you know they've played. Uh, they he's improved the team for the playoffs each year at the trade deadline. He's made good moves, but Todd Reardon just couldn't get produce anything with this team. So I think. Like Brian McClellan, like I get they need a new voice, but I think he's gonna have a job really soon. Like this is a guy who has done very well with the Capitals, and each year, like at the trade deadline, you see the Caps do something, and they always do it like in a way that it's it's quiet, but you know 
it, it's still like a fairly big improvement for that team. Yet, you know, we don't they don't get as much fanfare, I feel, at the trade deadline that they should than they should be. So I think for me, I, like I'm surprised for sure with the Brian McClellan firing, um, or letting go, or however you want to put it. But I do believe it's probably the wrong move. I think that um, it's probably Todd Bruden's fault more. It's just surprising that you see both the coach and the GM being fired at the same time. Normally, we'll probably see like the coach get fired first before the GM does. I mean, uh, well, I, I guess technically, like you know, the coach was fired maybe fifteen minutes earlier in this podcast, so maybe we can say the coach was fired first. But to me, I, I'm surprised for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably fired together, right? It wasn't just like Brian McConnell's like, "Hey, Todd, this isn't working out," and then puts down a phone, makes a cup of coffee, and then just immediately. Hey, Brian, we're letting you go as well, right? I think that was more of a together thing more than anything. Um, but with that being said, Jeffrey, um, speaking about, you know, unexpected shots fired, Alan Walsh. <laughs> that picture of uh, that drawing of painting, drawing, I don't know, whatever word you want to use, of Mark andre Fleur getting stabbed in the back by Peter DeBoer. Um, at the end of the day, like, I know the team talked to him. Flurry and Flurry's okay with it. But he wouldn't have tweeted it out if Marc-Andre Flurry wasn't feeling that way. Like, I get it. Alan Walsh was one of the more, you know, social media friendly type of agents out there. But he wouldn't have done it unless he's like, hey, this is actually how Flurry's feeling, right? Or am I looking too much into this? Um, I think there has to be some type of involvement from Marc Andre Fleury and I think as an agent, like I don't think it was Alan Walsh who decided to do it. I feel like it has to be Fleury. Because if it was Alan Walsh who decided to do it, then I can't think of a reason um why they uh like why he would post that out, right? Like I think to me Fleury has to have some reason and like I get it, like you know, you're seeing your team win but you're not getting there out on the ice even though you've been with the team basically since the beginning, right? Like, you've been with them all the way. It kind of sucks that the, the playoff rental is now taking your starting job. So, you kind of get it. But, you know, Fleury, you've got two more years there. Like, yes, maybe the relationship might be a little bit unhinged now with, like, the new coach midseason and now you're not playing. But, like, Fleury, you've got two more years. You'll get to play again next year. I don't think Leonard's going to be back. Like, the Knights don't have the cap space anyway. So, you know, enjoy the ride. You know, he does seem quite happy on the bench, but I don't think Alan Walsh is the reason for it. Like, I don't think Alan Walsh was the sole person in making that tweet. I think Flurry had to have some input. I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you, as the agent, you don't, you don't, you try to have the best interest of your of client at heart, right? So, I mean, yeah, I just, a part of me just, this is kind of partly why I kind of bought in the theory of, hey, you know what? Like, this is why I had, Capitals and the Capitals, Canucks and five. Um, so you kind of got that vibe where I was trying, trying to be like, hey, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty in there. But then if you look at a comp- team like the Canucks, you know, they had they're rallying around the story of Stetcher. Now they're rallying around the story of Tyler Mott. Like they've got all, they've got the the skill there. I think there's no doubt about it that Elias Patterson is a great player. Brock Besser is a great player. Tanev's questionable the haircuts, but great player. Mark's a great player. But we kind of get the storylines of the Canucks. Maybe I'm buying to the hype a little bit, but what do you think? Um, 
like just looking at it, I think, you know, like the the Golden Knights are doing so well. I mean, I think with any professional player, like seeing your team win, but you're not able to contribute to it is kind of demoralizing, especially knowing that like you still have a couple more years with that team. So, like I I get, like I agree with you. Like Alan Walsh needs to stick up for his players, and I it has to come from Flurry. If it's coming from Alan Walsh, and I'm a little bit confused about why he's doing that, like it would doesn't make sense to me, but. I I think Flurry will like if the Golden Knights win, like Flurry is probably gonna be one of the first to first one or two to get the cup. I'm thinking I don't know. Well, Derek Englund, of course, the unannounced captain. Or yeah, I mean, I think he's like he's kind of like the de facto captain, isn't he? Not I think I kind of get the vibe he is. I, I I think so. It's just gonna be weird because I don't think he's been playing this playoffs as much. So um. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work out for them. All right, with that being said, um, here's an optional thing. I, I'm okay if you want to talk about it. I'm okay if you don't want to talk about it. Um, What's his name? Mike Milbury. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? See, like when you're, like before we talked about Alan Walsh, I thought your transition was going to be like, talk since we were talking about um, firings, I thought you were going to go that way. I didn't think you are going over to the Alan Walsh thing. I guess, but... Mike Milbury, do you want to talk about it? I'm okay if you don't want to talk about it. It's kind of exhausting. Um, I think it's high time. Um, he has been in the hockey world for... He's a trusted hockey a, man. Yeah, but he's just been in the hockey world too long, and I think it was high time for him to leave. Um, he's never been... I don't know. I, I've never liked him as a commentator. I don't think anyone thinks he's been a good GM either. So, um, but do you think he's done? I don't think he's done. I think he's just gone for the for this playoff. No, like isn't he okay. like he's been let go from NBC Sports? I don't see no, another. He's just gone for the playoff. Oh, yeah, no, but I don't think anyone's gonna like. I don't think I think NBC is gonna real like realize that they don't need him and go in another direction. It's not worth the trouble. Like, like you look at his career as a GM. Or as a player, right? This is, like, the only reason why I feel like he's had so much time in the hockey world is just because, you know, he was a trusted hockey man. And I think people are realizing that we shouldn't always be depending on trusted hockey men to stay on because they don't seem to be evolving with the times. So I'm happy Mike Milbury is not part of NBC Sports anymore. I hope NBC makes the right decision and continues to make sure he's not on the air. And uh, hope that another organization doesn't get desperate enough to hire. Well, yes, you may think so. But again, trusted hockey men, right? Kevin Lowe stills the job. I'm not saying that Kevin Lowe has since said these insensitive things. Don't get me wrong. It's two different stories. But I think just as the point of trusted hockey men can always can find a job. Um, I mean, like, at the end of the day, I think the network just looks at, looks at this and goes like, if if they try to kind of go with what you're suggesting where it's kind of end of his hockey career, kind of go you know what it's really like what does he bring in right like i'm not saying this is probably a bad example to use and again i don't i i'm not saying that elliot friedman has done anything wrong but i'm saying you know if guy like elliot friedman you know says something inappropriate like this he's more likely to be had to have a longer leash just because of the draw he brings in i think people have been tired of mike milbury for a long time right so i think people are being like yeah 
you know what? I'm okay if Michael Milbury kind of just calls it a day, right? So again, don't don't come don't agree with anything he says, but I think he kind of has a short leash just because his draw just really isn't there anymore. Yeah, and I mean, if we're looking at examples, John Cherry, Jeremy Roenick, they're not back, so I don't think Mike Milbury will be back either. That is a valid uh, valid answer. Um, but that being said, Jeffrey, I promise you this today would be a shorter episode just because got to give it to, let's give a hand to Jeffrey because, uh, Jeffrey was able to do this entire podcast on two hours of sleep. So, uh, big, big props to Jeffrey. I don't appreciate the applause. I appreciate sleep. All right. So I think we're going to retire the, the doomsday scenario, doomsday clock. I think we are pretty much both in agreement where it's like, yeah, I think the entire season is going to be played. Right, Jeffrey? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, at this point, like, I know we, I was skeptic. I guess I'm still skeptic that in case another wave just suddenly pops up or something happens in the bubble, like, it can very easily stop the season. But um, it's been looking good so far. So I, 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 I hope to be optimistic, but in the back of my mind, I'm still pessimistic still. Yeah, so um, with that being said, um, I will start with the final words. Uh, wash your damn hands. Canucks in five. And uh, love y'all. All right. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon.